0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, the Rookies of the Year not Jim and Jonathan, but the rookies of the year have been announced. One of these years, Gunner, Gunner, and I think I I wish you guys had cooler names. Gunner and Corbin, Gunner, Gunner Henderson and Corbin Carroll. Wow. My we, mom we, is not happy with you. Come on, Jonathan. <laughs> who I'm is sorry. the guy who? who? Well, well, we the were three talking of us about have a, just about the the most common plainest and J J names at that. That's what true. um,
2: uh, what when we were doing our podcast earlier in the year, we, we, I think in the spring, what did you call Gunner? You you co- you combined him into another prospect. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, no, that was that was actually I think that was wasn't that Heston Kerstad? Did I combine I the two know. of them? Maybe. And I yeah, I also did I it with I also did it with Junior Camonero.
2: Yeah, Trevor Tremaine.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Um now that was
2: a deep cut Jim. <laughs> <laughs> that was just for you.
1: We uh so yeah, we're going to talk about this year's rookies of the year which uh we, and we've known that was going to happen all along um a year ago approximately um we did a 2023 rookie of the year draft on the podcast and uh Gunnar and Corbin went numbers one and two in that draft. We're going to do that again, uh, but for 2024, not 2023, because that would be too easy. Um, Yeah, Jim and Jonathan will draft their candidates for the 2024 Rookie of the Year, and we'll look back in a year and see how they did. I will guess that you're not going to do as well in this year's draft as you did last year. That's my prediction.
2: It's a high standard it, to me, but we're, yes, we're it is. to try.
1: Uh, the Arizona Fall League has wrapped up. We're going to talk about that championship game over the weekend. Uh, Jim was on the call out there. Uh, all the awards have been uh, disseminated. Uh, the MVP, pitcher of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, breakout prospect of the year. I missing anything? Reliever of the year and the Darnell Stenson Award winner. Um, so we'll. Chat about that. Uh, one one of the players who won one of the major awards, James Triantos of the Cubs, uh, talked to Jim while Jim was out there. So we'll uh, have an interview with James, James and James,
2: both from uh, Northern Virginia, were, rival high schools. That's
1: right. Wow, didn't realize all the they didn't uh, play against each other though.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I was a little older than him. It's like when I <laughs> asked him. Are. When we yeah, I, I could remain a little older, but when we, we talked about Bryce Eldridge, he made it sound like he was like 10 years older than Bryce Eldridge. Like, never played with him growing up because he was older than him. They, they went to the same high school. But anyway. Um,
1: and then uh, we're going to wrap up with a question from the mailbag. All right, let's get to rookie of the year. Um, and, you know, I mentioned that you guys picked Gunner and Corbin this time last year. So in November, then in January, we polled front office executives. And one of the one of the questions was who, who did they predict would win rookie of the year in the National League and American League and the NL Corbin Carroll got 66% of the votes and Gunnar Henderson got 73% of the votes. So, you know, they won in a landslide there. Then in March, a panel of 87 MLB.com voters picked the two eventual winners and then Rookie power rankings. They do. You, do you remember? Did they go wire to wire? One, two, all the way, all the way from the.
2: I doubt uh, it, because Henderson got off to a really slow yeah. start. Yeah, I mean, was a little bit lower, yeah, and then worked his way back up. You are
1: correct. There was one. Uh, so that's a monthly thing, and there was one month, May, where uh, Gunner fell, I think, down to down toward the bottom, eight eight to ten range. I can't remember where it was exactly but other than that they were 1-2 from start to finish with that one exception after his slow start so exactly right uh, but so all of that to say not a big surprise and obviously and then you know after they put up the seasons they did uh wasn't much of a surprise going into it both unanimous uh which has happened only 5 times in the history of the rookie of the year award where both leagues rookies of the year were unanimous selections also is just the second time that MLB's preseason number one and two prospects have gone on to win rookie of the year and you guys know the other time that happened right
2: yep Shohei Otani Ronald Acuna in 2018 I I was gonna bring that up if you didn't I I was already there you go go ahead take it from there Jim yes but you know Otani and Acuna yeah I didn't I remember, I, I remember Acuna. The, the, I remember Acuna being unbelievable in the fall league that that off I mean, he was ridiculous. And then, if you go back, I, we've done this for a couple of players, and Otani was one of them, where it was going to be this huge signing. He was going to count as a prospect by our our definition. So I wrote a Shohei Otani scouting report before he signed, so it could go up immediately. And as glowing as that scouting report was, it was probably light in retrospect. And there were there were 60s and 70s all over the place, and it was probably too conservative.
1: Yeah, I, re- I remember that seeming kind of difficult for you because you, it seemed like you were trying to kind of temper expectations a bit, and and like you said, in, in hindsight, shouldn't have. Um, it's every bit the every bit the player that you heard early on. He had the uh, possibility of being. Uh, you guys remember? Did, did you guys see? And if not, do you remember? Did you see the story uh, that our our Ben Weinrib did on other top ranked prospect duos who went on to to win Rookie of the Year?
2: No, no, no. Okay. okay, good,
1: good. Then I can uh, share. I can quiz you. It, yeah. Well, do you, I mean this might be tough, but do you do you? What are some other top ranked prospect duos that you can recall going on to win? Rookie of the year,
2: any, both? Any well, both of them were one and two, or they were just ranked high. No,
1: they're the only only one other time that it's happened uh, with one and two was and, 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 and won it the same year,
0: or just won it in general. Same, same year, same year.
2: Don't think it was Harper and Trout.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They didn't win in the same year, right? Because you
2: had Matt Moore factor. No, they in did. There.
1: They did win in the same year, but they were but not, not one and two, one two. Oh, because so remember who, remember who was ranked ahead of them?
2: Matt Moore. Moore. Right.
1: That's right. Yeah. So Harper or Harper was number two that year, and Trout was number three, and they went on to win in uh, 2012. Uh, other instance of 2-3 two, was 2015, Chris Bryant and Carlos Correa. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Byron Buxton, number one?
1: Buxton, number one. That was during his, his reign, <laughs> uh, multi-year reign. And that's, that's really – that's really about it. Uh, other top 10 pairs were Buster Posey and Neftali Feliz in 2010. Posey was four and Feliz was seven. But it's pretty interesting to go down the list, um, of rookie of the year winners because, and you know, where they ranked, uh, on our top 100 or top 50, or we even went or back. And yeah. Or didn't rank, um, Guys who were unranked going into the season and one Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India in 2021, Devin Williams in 2020. Uh, two, a pair in 2014, Jose Abreu and Jacob deGrom. Craig Kimbrell Abreu, in Abreu probably not
2: eligible, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, true. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Craig Kimbrell in 2011. Uh, 2009, Andrew Bailey and Chris Gogolin. Hmm. Uh, Giovanni Soto in 2008, no Dustin Pedroia in 2007. So, uh, yeah, and, and you know, I mentioned to you guys when it, before we started, you said this this draft of next year is probably going to be pretty difficult. Uh, you don't see guys that jump out to you nearly as clearly as as Henderson and Carroll did this year. And I said to you guys, you might, you might have to go down the list, and it's it's not like guys from Farther down the list don't win rookie of the year they certainly haven't guys who weren't even on the list
0: well sure because it's not it's not like because you're highly ranked you're automatically getting the opportunity you know, opportunity plays a huge part and you need to have you know a place to to play you know uh as so we dig into 2024 names there are guys that are certainly interesting but like are they really going to play enough to be in contention? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, let's
1: let's speculate now. Um, I mean, the guys, the guys at the top of the list seems like I mean they're they're almost they're almost there. Um, will they get the uh, enough opportunity right off the bat? We'll see. But you know, the Jacksons, the Jackson two, Jackson Holiday and Jackson Cheerio. Um, or right there knocking on the door. So, uh we'll we'll, we'll see where you guys take him in your draft here. It's uh as as always, we have not we have not uh, picked who goes first here. Uh so, well, you know what? Jim conceded to Jonathan. Yes, I'll let, I'll let Jim, this. I'll, I'll let
0: Jim go first.
1: Okay. There we go. Uh so
2: Jim Very gracious to you Jonathan. Well, I'm one afraid one. I'm afraid. He's afraid he's, if, Jonathan made the first pick, if Jonathan made the first pick and took the guy that I wanted, I would have just walked out. So
0: Well, I'm afraid <laughs> that if we don't let Jim make this pick, the world might stop spinning on its axis. Just like that.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I think all the mock drafts know who I'm gonna pick. Um I am gonna take Evan Carter of the what? Rangers, my first pick. Um I will limit myself to not talking about him for fifteen minutes like like when you were I think you were off, Jason and Jonathan. I it was after I wrote my my scouting of Evan Carter story, and I talked about it for like fifteen minutes, probably. But anyway, no, I mean we saw what he did down the stretch. We we saw what he did down the stretch. I think the one issue he's going to have to overcome is he hasn't done a lot of damage against lefties. But um, yeah, yeah, I think he's the obvious pick for me in a a group of not a lot of obvious guys. Um, I learned while I was in the fall league that the original plan was for him to go to the fall league. Yep. Uh, uh, and I talked, uh, about Evan Carter a couple times with Carlos Cardoza, who was the manager of the surprise team, that won the championship and also Evan Carter's manager in double a, but, uh, yeah, I will take Evan Carter. I, I think it will get a lot harder after that for me when we make subsequent picks. How it, deep are we going? Do we even say,
0: we're going to take five each, I think. And I'm just wow. doing that okay. based on what we did a year ago. Um, okay. so, uh, uh, so I will uh, I will keep it going here. I agree that I don't think that there there's an obvious pick after that. Um,
2: don't take my guy.
0: You just took your guy. You have another I guy.
2: I have another guy. I have another guy. I want so, but don't. All take right. Him. Well,
0: I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the other rookie eligible who was on a World Series roster, and I will take Jordan. <laughs> That's not your guy. He's uh, a good
2: pick. He's a good pick. Yeah. But I'm going to take Jordan like
0: Lawler from the Diamondbacks. Uh, obviously didn't have the impact Evan Carter did uh, down the stretch or, you know, or in the postseason, He didn't, he didn't play much, but you have to think that third base will be his uh, next year. Uh, you know, this got his feet wet and he will get every opportunity to, uh, to play every day. And this is a good point to shoehorn in the sort of the impact that the uh, the extra draft pick, you know, the PPI uh, has already had. I think when when this was uh, when this was determined and or put into the rules, I think we're kind of like, wow, well, what is it? Are people really? Are teams really going to uh, use this to to push guys up to the big leagues? And I think it helped that Julio Rodriguez one rookie of the year and gave the mariners an extra pick and now this year both the orioles and diamondbacks will get extra picks because of carroll and henderson so i think there's going to be that incentive now has even been amplified just because wow it works so uh that's you know so i think a guy like jordan waller will uh should break uh on on the opening day roster or at least play enough to get that full year of service time uh, which will also qualify him.
2: Yeah, and they're both, and both the guys we've mentioned. I mean, their teams were in the World Series, are contenders, yep. so their teams have incentive to do that. Okay,
0: all right. Who's your guy? I'm curious.
2: Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Oh, is, is going to be my pick. We don't know. We don't know which team's going to sign him, but you know, longtime star pitcher in Japan. I think his ERA is 1.72 in seven years over there. He has stuff. He has command. He's still young. You know there are adjustments. You know you need to make when you come over. But we saw, you know, Kodai Senga came over for the Mets and was one of the better you know rookie pitchers this year. So I'm going to go with, with Yamamoto. Obviously, don't know what team he's on now because he's yet to sign with a with a major league team. But I, I will take Yamamoto with my my second pick.
0: I like that you kind of went off the pipeline. Reservation there, so to speak. You know, you because uh, he he would not qualify for our lists, correct?
2: Correct, and it's it's tough because we'll see as this plays out. They're either I think there's a lot of interesting rookies who either a don't have a clear shot at playing time or b seem like they're going to get you know maybe a half season in the minors. So it's it's tough.
0: Right. No. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to. Stick with the opportunity to play on opening day. And also uh, my most recent uh, beat report. Uh, I picked this guy. And I think it's, I'm taking a little bit of a risk because he hasn't played much pro ball and he hasn't shown any, any impact since, uh, since being drafted. And that's Nolan Shanuel of the angels. Uh, you know, first guy up to the big leagues, can we agree, Jim? By the way, that from now on, anytime we do the quickest to the big leagues from any draft, we just pick whoever the Angels take.
2: Yeah, if they take a college guy in the first round. It'll, 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 you know, and mean, they have the three quickest from twenty twenty two with yeah. with Neto, Joyce, and Medeiros,
3: so. I,
0: I Yeah, I think so. And then and then Shawnywell, you know, made it up in this first summer. And I know that they were trying to make you know sort of make something happen. And he's super advanced, but he's going to be. Their first baseman uh you know and so and i think the impact is going to come he showed it in college over two years uh his approach is ridiculous he's walked more than he's struck out you know small sample but i think that approach will allow him to get to that power i kind of like that he didn't try to sell out for it because that's not who he is um so uh that uh, again opportunity he's going to be playing every day at first base right from the get-go
2: Okay, I am going to go, and I think he's going to have the opportunity. Although I don't think it's clear cut, depending on on what the Twins do when people around. But I'm going to go with Brooks Lee. I like the fact that that he he got a decent amount of playing time in AAA. Um, I don't think he's going to take shortstop over from Carlos Correa.
0: Where's but, he going to play? That's my one question about him.
2: Could be second. Could be third. If Royce Lewis is in the outfield, you try to keep Royce healthier. I I don't know, but I I agree. That's a question, but I do think, I do think he's good enough. I I don't, I will admit, I don't have the free agent status of all the twins, but it does seem like their outfield is in flux. All their guys are either free agents or rumored to be traded or who knows what's going to happen with Buxton. So I'm just going to bet on Brooksley's bat and think he's going to get 400 plus at bats somewhere. And I think he'll hit, but yeah, it's, you know, I think anybody you come up with now, you could sit there and question, is that guy ready? Does he have at bats? Yeah. You know, one or the other. Now I will say that the, is he ready argument, you know, cause we haven't touched the top two prospects on the board who are still both young. Sometimes those guys get there really ahead of schedule anyway, and kind of wipe that out. But it's, like I said, it's not like you're looking, and there's a bunch of guys at the top of the board who've played in, you know, a lot in the upper minors and have an obvious opening.
0: No, I think that's fair, and I think, you know, Lee was drafted as that kind of advanced hitter who was going to, uh, uh you you know, get there quickly, and I think he will be ready, and again, it will come to opportunity. Okay, I'm gonna go back to the mound and the National League. And I'm going to take Giants lefty Kyle Harrison, Uh, you know, got his feet wet with seven starts last year. Uh, Overall, you know, I think he threw pretty well. threw a good amount of strikes, Uh, missed a fair amount of bats over 34 and two-thirds innings. Um And, you know, I can't imagine that he won't be in the rotation command is it's going to come down to command. You know, actually threw more strikes in the big leagues than he did in in triple A. But I think that he's going to continue to get there uh, and throw enough strikes where his premium stuff is going to play.
2: You know, it's funny when you said I'm going to go with National League pitcher, I thought you were going to go Paul Skeen's. (laughs)
0: No. Um, You know what? I think that all the attacks, my character as being a homer, uh, has has sunk in.
2: Well, I will take Paul Skeens. Just from the standpoint of, I know he has not pitched a whole lot, obviously, since being the number one overall pick in the draft, but you know, for the 18,000th time this year, I will parallel him to Steven Strasburg. I think they're the two best pitching prospects in draft history. And, you know, Strasburg kind of puttered around the minors a little bit at the beginning of his first full season. And then he was up and he was very good. And I just – I'm going to bet on Paul Skeen's talent. Um, I don't have any idea what the National League Central race is going to look like next year. Um, I think that's the most wide-open division. If you told me any of those five teams won it, I think you could make a case. I mean, the Pirates are more of a long shot. But I just think Paul Skeen's – is. it's going to be one of those cases where he comes out and he dominates and just becomes apparent there's no point in wasting innings in the minors, so I think Skeens will be up before June 1st or or somewhere thereabouts and pitch very well the final four months of the season. So I will go with I'll go with Paul
0: Skeens. Okay, um, I'm going to go back to the American League and another hitter uh, who touched the big leagues uh, at the end of the year. I think the question will be opportunity and is he ready he was only up in the big leagues for a little bit made the jump straight from double a but i'm going to take junior caminaro the rays coming off uh, a year that he made it to double a you know he's only he's got what 81 88 total games we've seen double a in the big leagues above a ball but i think there are certain talents that kind of transcend that and he's coming off this year where he hit 31 homers uh, you know, had a 9.75 OPS. Uh, I think that that bat is going to play its way into the Rays' lineup. They're not afraid to bring young guys up. Uh, the fact that he can move around a little bit defensively, if you need him to, I think will will come into play. Uh, you know, I only pause for a second just because that was a large leap and it was more just to get his feet wet. And you know, he'll he'll still only be 20. Um, you know, for the first half of the season, but I think that he may be the kind of offensive player who uh, sort of transcends those those concerns.
2: No, I think that's. I I agree with uh, with all that. Um, you know, it's funny. I I I I did quick quick preparation all mentally, and I and I had I had Camonero as a guy. That I was I was thinking about taking so so that's that's a, I, I'm on board with, for the same reasons. I'm going to take another. I, I honestly thought you were going Orioles outfielder there the way you. No, I stat. thought about it, but I there's two of them and that outfield's crowded to begin with, so it's it's tough to say who's going to get how many at bats and how. So I I'm going to stick with American League bats and with a, my last pick number ninth overall in this draft, I'm going to take Colt Keith the Tigers. That guy just hits everywhere he's been. He spent a half season in AAA. I think third base is his best position. Their I guess most regular third baseman last year was Nick Maton, who hit 173. So I think opportunities there. Um, so I'm gonna take Colt Keith with my my the ninth overall pick in this in this 10 rookie draft.
0: Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right, so I have one more. Maybe I will go. You you left me the opportunity to to go to the orioles outfield that's fine i'm going to do that i'm going to take heston kerstad uh, and i think it is crowded uh you've got colton Cowser, also uh you've got depth all over the place uh in there and that's you know i think that's probably why we didn't say go with jackson holiday who could some tr- force his way up somehow um but I, I think I just think I like cursed ads I, I have more confidence in his ability to hit and get getting to his power at the big league level. All right, so
1: our number one prospect in baseball who finished the year at AAA does not get drafted. <laughs> not does not go in the top ten. I'm I'm surprised. I thought somebody
2: would take him. Really, I I just the problem is. Where is that bats coming from? Yeah. He, he's still so young. I, I think that's like, although I did allude in the middle, these guys where you're like, okay, he's not quite ready. He hasn't played a lot in Triple A. There's not room for him. Sometimes they make room for themselves. Like I remember Cody Bellinger did that when he set the National League rookie record for Hummers, which Pete Alonzo later, later broke. And, you know, I, I just don't know. Joey Ortiz can't get at bats in that infield right now. But, you know, if Jackson Holiday comes up and tears up Triple A, maybe he's up. May 1st. So, I mean, Jackson Churio was another tough one too. I mean, same age. He's been triple a at age 19, but the brewers have a bunch of outfielders and he's still so young. I, I kind of hedged on both those guys.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, what? Number one, number two, holiday and Churio, number four, Dylan Cruz.
0: I, uh, I almost made him my last pick Dylan Cruz.
1: Yeah. Uh, all, you know, all up there at the higher levels, um, Cruz made it to double A uh, Ethan Salas is number five He's he's a ways away Despite his <laughs> ridiculous Rise uh, in his Pro debut and then you had Six junior Camonero did Get drafted uh, but then Number seven James Wood uh, another Guy who got to double A Evan Carter the number one pick uh, Is number eight and Jackson Merrill number nine Any consideration there From either of you
2: Really crowded well, infield.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, Jordan Lawler, number ten, did go. So I, this, I'll tell you this,
2: who I was surprised we didn't take. I mean, and I obviously could have taken him too. Was Pete Crow Armstrong? Like I, he, he was knocking on the door of this. I just don't know how their situation is going to resolve, and he might get a couple months in AAA, and I, I, I could have got I'm almost double Ranger. Yep. You mentioned you mentioned Cruz, White Langford, uh, White Langford you had you had some people seriously writing i don't think they really considered it that when when adolis garcia got hurt that they ought to add white langford to the world series roster that's how good he was in the minors but uh yeah, it'll be know
3: uh,
0: we didn't take uh afl prospect colson montgomery with uh, tim anderson no longer there there's a, a hole there
2: i see i feel like there, on that there are lots of options I feel like on that one, they're going to wait because he's he's played like 60 games in double A and hasn't hit great there. Yeah, I, and they're I not going to right. contend. Um, so I don't think they're going to rush him, but I could see him up by midseason.
1: All right. Well, there it is. The the top 10. Evan Carter, Jordan Lawler, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Nolan Chanuel, Brooks Lee, Kyle Harrison, Paul Skeens, Junior Caminero, Colt Keith, Heston Kerstad. Early candidates for next year's MLB rookies of the year. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Cubs prospect James Triantos. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
2: Okay, so Jim Cowles here with James Triantos of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, as of right now, he knows he's won a major award in the Arizona Fall League. He doesn't know which so we're not going to mention it, but major award winner. Hey, James, I was going to ask you, coming into the Fall
3: League, what were your expectations and, and, and how has the league lived up to that? Um, you know, I expected to face good competition and that's exactly what I've done since being here. Um, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a great experience, um, you know, just being able to be around all these different guys from different teams and um, you know i've i've had nothing but fun since being here it's been awesome you got i think you
2: you got called up to double a toward the end of the season you got a few at bats at that level and, and now you've gotten you know 25 games or so down here in the fall league have you know a lot of times the fall league gets compared to double a mm-hmm. from what you've seen the pitching at both levels is that fairly comparable do you think that's
3: a, a good analogy that um yeah i i would say so yeah um you know, definitely the guys coming out of the bullpen were pretty good. Um, everybody, everybody was competitive, so it was, uh it was fun.
2: And well, I mean, one of the unique things about here is I think every team has oh 25 no. pitchers mm-hmm. on their staff. So like in a typical game, you might see the starter twice. Mm-hmm. But if you get four or five at bats, you're seeing four or five different pitchers uh-huh. every game. So like, yeah. how much does that help? I mean, you're, you, you've got to be seeing all kinds of stuff over the course of the season down here.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of everything. You know, people who throw. People throw hard. People love throwing their off-speed stuff. Um, definitely different types of pitchers down here, and I think it's been, uh, you know, it's been great for me just to see how consistent I can be with uh, sticking to and executing my plan.
2: What um, What were your developmental goals coming down here? Obviously, one of the things was to get some at bats after you missed the beginning of the season with the meniscus issue. But specifically, what were you working on offensively,
3: defensively? Um, you know, offensively, just coming in and doing what I do, and obviously, I want to, you know continue to get better on the defensive side no matter where that is infield outfield I just want to be able to contribute to my team and um, you know show that I can play anywhere so you know I mean I think your reputation
2: I mean going back to high school is your the thing that sticks out you, about you most is bat to ball skills hitting ability, that type of thing but down here I mean you've kind of been the complete offensive package you've shown more power I think you've – we're talking before the final game of the regular season. I think you have three home runs, a mm-hmm. bunch of extra base hits after hitting four home runs mm-hmm. during the, the regular season.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Are you doing anything different? Are you looking to drive the ball more? Have you done any subtle changes to the swing? Where do you think the power is coming from?
3: The only thing The only thing that I've changed since being here is starting a little bit earlier. That's, um, that's it, and I feel like I'm best when I'm simple. So, um, and, you know, there's not a lot of things going on in my head right now because that's what I have confidence in. So the more I can stick to and execute that over and over again, the better I'm gonna be. I feel like.
2: And in terms of like starting early, does that help you get the ball
3: out front a little bit more? Or? I I don't I don't even think about uh, what my body does when right. I swing or when I take. Honestly, I just go up there and if it looks good, I'm gonna swing. And when I swing, I hit it hard. And if I'm not gonna if I'm not gonna swing, I'm gonna walk. So um, you know, just keeping it as simple as possible. Just I keep it at starting early that's it got gotcha, you
2: got gotcha. you that makes sense I mean, it's obviously been great results for you down here mm-hmm. you've also i think have nine steals and ten attempts i mean a lot of guys are you know running here in the fall league but is that something you were looking to, to you know ex- i mean the games count but it's mm-hmm. developmental i mean is that something you're looking to kind of experiment and be a little more aggressive on the bases too
3: um yeah just i think keeping a sense of urgency on the bases is very important for me because um, when i'm going i'm i feel like i feel like it's hard to throw me out so you know especially also you know these games just being able to get better at it understanding you know what how pitchers work timing everything like that uh you know just trying to get a bit uh to be a better base runner so yeah it's definitely a part of it i
2: don't i don't know officially if this is true like if you've played more games at different positions in the following you have to be up there because you've started games at second center third left I think you played four innings as short. I don't think yeah. you started shortstop yet.
3: Yeah, a little bit of everything.
2: So, you know, you, you've played all the play, you know, in, in the minors in 2022, your first full season, I think you played only third base. This year you played primarily second base and some third and a little bit of outfield. And I, and I know the cliche answer is you don't care where you're playing as long as you're playing you want to get to big leagues. But, like, if you had your pick, where would you like to play or what do you think your best position
3: is? Um, I mean,. I I feel like I'm best on the infield right now, but that's just because, you know, I haven't had a ton of opportunities out in the outfield and I'm still working on getting better there. Um, You know, it's obviously, I feel like things are going to change the more I play at different places, but um, right now I feel like I'm most comfortable in the infield, just um, that's been my home for a while. How how is second base, like like, like I said,
2: last year you played all third base, and this year you played primarily second base. Mm -hmm. You feel more comfortable in one position versus the other? Is it? I mean, I obviously, third base—you have to react quicker.
3: I, I think I feel I feel comfortable with both. Um, you know, they're obviously a little different positions, but I've had the chance to spend a lot of time at both. So you know, just understanding who I am at each position uh, is probably the most important thing and what I do best. So um, you know, the more I do that, the better I'm going to get, and I've, uh, that's what I plan on doing.
2: How. I don't know, foreign is right word, but how foreign does the outfield feel? I mean, you've only played a handful of games.
3: You probably didn't play there much as an amateur, did you? No, I didn't play outfield really at all growing up. Um, but, you know, I just, I'm, I'm learning, and I just got to be an athlete out there. I think of it as, as long as the ball ends up in my glove, I'm going to be fine. I'll hit all the cutoffs. I know where the ball's got to be. I, you know, I'm thinking ahead of the play, but the ball's just got to end up in my glove. So <laughs> keeping it, again, keeping it to me. Have you, and I don't know, like, if, as a prospect when
2: you're coming to you think about this, but do you do you wonder what your long-term home will be? Because you look at the Cubs. They've got a Gold glover at shortstop in Dansby Swanson. they got a Gold glover at second base in Nico Horner. They have a Gold glover in left field in the half. I don't know if you've ever overlapped with Pete Crow Armstrong, but Pete, Pete Crow is probably a future Gold glover in center. They just drafted Matt Shaw in the first round, mm-hmm. who, you know, already got the double egg as you played with him at the end of the season. Do you, I mean, is that something you, you think about or worry about, or you just figure... When you're ready, it'll take care of itself and they'll say, James, you're playing this is your this is your position and you'll go out there and play that position.
3: Um, I really focus on I try and focus on what I'm doing now. Um, yeah. so that's I think that's the most important thing. Just focus on what I'm doing now in the moment and the future will take care of itself.
2: You were pretty young when you came into Pro Bowl. You know, you reclassified, you would have been so you signed after what would have been your junior year if you hadn't reclassified. So you've been in pro ball for about two and a half years. How much Quicker, stronger. Do you think you've
3: gotten in two years? I mean, um, I think I've gotten a lot better as a player. Um, I've matured a lot. You know, uh, just you know, as a student of the game. I feel like just learning. You know, more listening to what everybody has to say, understanding who I am again, uh, what I do best, what I'm not great at. You know, um, and I think that's been a big part of my development uh, the past couple of years.
2: You th- have you measurably gotten quicker and stronger, too? I mean, yes. you would naturally would just because of the age you are, but, like, you get, you know, a professional team, mm-hmm. like, like, that's got to be pretty exciting, too. How exciting is it to be part of the Cubs system? I mean, big league team played a lot better this year. Is on the rise. Farm system's loaded. There's hitters, there's pitchers. How, how exciting is it to be part of a franchise and a farm system that's
3: on the rise? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's very exciting to be a part of it. All these, you know, we have a bunch of great players coming up. Um, and I've enjoyed playing with every single one of them. Um, you know, so I've met some of my best friends here in this org, and it's been, you know, it's been a great experience so far.
2: Who are some of the players, like Cubs fans who are listening to this, that they should be excited they're going to see in the next couple of years? I, I you'll probably leave somebody out, but like, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Like, who should they
3: be excited about seeing that that you either played with or, or seen in spring training or whatever? B.J. Murray and Owen Casey are the two that I can think of. Uh, they're two of the best hitters I've seen ever, I'd say. Um, yep. You know, I can learn a lot from them. Uh, just being able to work with them almost every single day, last offseason, last year, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, they're going to they're gonna be some impactful players at the next level, I feel like. From the pitching side, did you get to see Kate Horton pitch, or he, was he shut down? You did at
2: the end of the year? Yeah, I got to see Kate. I Have you ever hit Kate off of him, pitch. like inner squad or spring uh, I training? Faced,
3: I faced him in spring training once, but... Um, other than that, no. But yeah, I've been I've been been able to play behind him and watch him pitch a good amount this year. So he's uh, he's a horse.
2: Yeah, so, he is. I I, I I thought that he was one of my favorite of pitchers in that pitchers draft. draft and then the whole way they did the combo, we save a little money on Kate, and then you get Jackson Ferris, who's mm-hmm. another pitcher who's going to be pretty good. It's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. What about your your guy? It seems like you and Kevin Alcantara are on the same team everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. so back back out here in Mesas, so you guys will room together when you get to the big leagues, I guess. But yeah. but tell us about
3: Kevin. He's Kevin's Kevin's the man. He's he is an electric player. He's a goofball. He shows his personality everywhere he goes. Um, and I mean. I think everybody can see for themselves. You know the way he carries himself on the field. He's, he's the man. He's got all the tools. Um, he's just exciting to watch. You know I can't I can't describe it any other way unless you, you go watch him play. Really, he's he's the man.
2: I mean he's crazy athletic for guys six foot six. I know we had a guy do a story on him early in the fall earlier in the fall league, and he was Tim House. Nickname's the Jaguar. Do you guys call him the Jaguar? Does he call himself the Jaguar? Is that more Kevin?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean. <laughs> I mean, we, we call him Kevin. Okay, he's, he's, so Kevin calls himself the Jaguar. He's, he's Kevin. But, gotcha. Um, you know, everybody else loves
2: calling him Jaguar, so. There you go, there you go. And I was going to say, I always like asking players about other players. So in high school, when you, you want to, and it pains me to say this, as a, as a proud Oakton High School graduate, you guys won a, a state championship at James Madison in 2021, right? Yep. Okay, Your draft year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you were teammates with Bryce Eldridge. Yeah. And who's probably as good a two-way player as it was in last year's draft. You were also a two-way player. I remember I think you you pitched and won the state championship game, did you? Yeah. Um, And you guys were only a year apart, even though it was two years apart, because you reclassified in terms of of age. Did you grow up playing with Bryce, or was Uh, it just in high school?
3: I I did not grow up playing with Bryce. I grew up playing with his older brother. Okay. He he was a year older. So, um, he, yeah, I played with his older brother from the time we were – 8 to 13, probably, I want to say. And gotcha. then we played in high school together. He was on the same team, too. So I've known Bryce forever, still. Um, yeah. And
2: I think, I want to say, you guys won the state, you weren't part of the team, but they won the state championship, I think, again, this year, right? They yeah, didn't they win did. in 2022? No, they didn't win. See, so if you hadn't reclassified, they might have gone three in a row. Yeah. But so anyway, I mean, I, I think in the long run, from talking to scouts, talking to the Giants, Bryce is probably going to be a hitter. They're, they're letting him two-way a little bit right now. But I, I'm going to go on a limb. So he's probably going to be a hitter for everything I know. Who's the better pitcher? You or Bryce Eldridge, do you think? Oh, I,
3: put me on the spot like
2: that. <laughs> well, it's not going to matter. I mean, either I mean, I, mean, I mean,
3: I'm the better pitcher than Bryce. I think he knows it too. But. Um, yeah, yeah. Just did keep, you guys have, I mean, that. inner squads, how do,
2: how do you, how do you, when you were pitching against him, say in practice or inner squads? How did you attack Bryce and how did he attack you?
3: He threw me change-ups. I remember that. Um, Sign of respect? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I really don't remember uh, facing him in high school, in inner squads. But um, I, I remember, I remember him pitching to me. Throwing these so, change-ups. Yeah, he, threw me, he threw me changeups. That's, that's, that was his thing for me.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. And then I
3: just, Arizona Fall is whole, I always like to ask
2: guys. A lot of great talent in this league. From the hitting side of things, Anybody in particular stuck
3: out to you that you've seen down here? Caleb Durbin. He's the man. He rakes. Going for the Stone Base record, too. Caleb Durbin and Ben Cowles, those guys rake. They have done nothing but impress me since they got here. Um, watching the way they go about their business in the cage, MVP, it's. Uh, it's something a lot of people can learn from. They uh, they go about their work the right way.
2: And it's fun to see the guys like that because I mean they weren't big name guys, you know they weren't super high draft picks, and they've they put themselves on the map. And as we talk, it's a couple hours before the final game of the season. I think Caleb needs three, three. stolen bases three. to get the to get the record. So yeah. Yeah. hopefully he's batting lead off and he he is he getting that is. opportunity. Whoever's batting ninth is going to have to run to keep oh, ahead yeah. of him oh, to yeah. keep They're second base. Have to either
3: get themselves thrown out or get to the next base. Yeah, so, so hopefully
2: not. it'll be fun. So this will air, we'll, we'll know when this is whether or not he got the record. And then from a pitching standpoint, who's impressed you on this team, uh, on your team, the Mesa Solar Sox,
3: and, and who are some of the tougher pitchers you've, you've faced in this league? Um, I'd say uh, Trey Mago and uh, Tyler Santana, who i played with for a while. He's been the man here. Um, just coming in, being efficient, throwing his stuff uh getting ground ball after ground ball uh he's been fun to watch and then there's a uh, olds olds from the yeah Red wide Sox. olds yeah he's good and same with um I mean, right that was 103 so that's not the most comfortable of that
2: <laughs> yeah well i think i mean he, he's had a great season when the fall starts game was his worst out of the
3: year i think he hit two guys with uh, 101 yeah, mile an hour fastballs. I, I was in the box so, but he didn't hit you, did he? No. No, you weren't just, one of the two guys that got drilled by 101. 101. 102, 103 to me. So, so, so like yeah. all
2: right. Yeah, Now he's had he's had a he's had a good year. Well I really appreciate it, James. Thanks yeah, for this. Course. Congratulations. You'll, you'll by the time this airs you will know what award you've won, but congratulations on your major award, which yes, sounds like something out of the Christmas story, you know, when he it.
3: And we'll, we'll is. see
2: you in Chicago soon probably. Yes, probably yes, too. Well thanks James. I really appreciate Thank it. Much. Take care. All right, that was James
1: Triantos of the Chicago Cubs, one of the award winners, the Offensive Player of the Year at the Arizona Fall League. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about that award and others and the championship game from the Arizona Fall League. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast.
0: Mobile banking requires
1: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jason Ratliff, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo. Arizona Fall League has concluded the 31st season. Is that what we decided on? There was some... Yes. There was some confusion about that. Uh, but it was indeed the 31st season. Jim, you were there for the final week plus of the season. You were there for the play-in game, the championship game, um, surprise winning for a second straight year. But I, I did want to touch on the uh, that play-in game a little bit because it was a wild one and and you were there. And I, I didn't have the time to to oh. do the research, but I have to think that what happened in that game has not happened often at any level of professional baseball, and that is that... A team came back. Peoria came back from a nine to nothing first inning deficit to uh, move on to the championship game, and which is kind of funny because Peoria, you know, looking at it on a more macro level, they had they had like the opposite sort of start to the season where they they just looked like (laughs) they couldn't be beaten, Um, and and then you know tailed off. But then rallied at the end uh, and rallied in this game specifically to make it to the championship game. But what what a wild game that was.
2: Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, you had – I think it tied the record for most runs in an AFL playoff game. But, you know, Peoria had the best lineup in the league. And we even talked about this on the championship game broadcast. They had guys they, – they had so many hitters in their lineup. They, had, they would have two or three guys on their bench who would be the best hitters in a lot of the other lineups in the league. Like It was by far the most loaded offensive team. They led the league in runs. They led the league in runs allowed. Their bullpen was a problem all year. Um, but it, it it was insane. You know, it, Nine runs in the bottom of the first. You're like, okay, Scottsdale's playing for championship. And then they immediately come back in the second inning. Kyle Manzardo hit a home run. Ryan Bliss hit a grand slam. It's 9-7. And then they, they came back and won 12-9. And you know they almost did the same thing in the championship game. They were losing six one. There was one inning that blew up on them. They had a four run inning uh, against Surprise. We're Surprise leading six one, and Peoria scored four runs in the ninth and had, I think, the go ahead run at the plate. Yeah, they did the go ahead run at the plate when the game ended. Um, so they they just had a very explosive offense. And but looking back was surprise surprise just had the most balanced team in the league where it wasn't a lot of big names, but they had a lot of effective hitters like Damiano Palmis. is one who jumps to mind. They had a deep pitching staff. They had a deep bullpen. They had one of the league's best defensive teams. They just kind of got the job done in all areas of the game and, and were very consistent throughout the season and, and in the one game playoff.
1: No surprise surprise has been uh and in the championship game each of the past four years. Not that it really matters at all because the, the teams change. The organizations that are on the teams change every year. The coaching staffs change every year. There's no real continuity there, but uh, I am surprised to see that surprise has been in the finals each of the past four years. Yeah, their uh, manager,
2: I was going to say Carlos Cardoza, who we may see managing in the big leagues at some point, won a ring last year as a coach on the team. He's going to get a ring this year because he managed the team to championship. Oh, so that's
1: the that's the link.
2: That's what I was going to say. I also believe he'll get a ring as being the double-A manager in the Rangers organization. So he's going to his hands are filling up. Uh, that's
1: he's going, going to need some more fingers.
2: Pressure. Yeah, and it was cool. I, I will tell this story, which I thought was cool. I just thought, you know, so the the World Series, the Rangers were playing at Arizona on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which are all AFL game days. So I just assumed, okay you know, they, they watch from afar, but talking to Abimelech Ortiz, who's a, a slugger on the surprise team in the regular organization, they actually had the day off. The, the, the Suaros had the day off on the Tuesday for game four. And so they got to go to the game and Ortiz was Ortiz said he was, he personally was sitting right behind the dugout. It was a game where the Rangers scored five runs in the first five runs in the second. And he just thought it was the coolest experience of his life. So it was kind of, Kind of cool how that worked out for the Rangers contingent, where they had a, a conveniently timed off day and they could go take in the World Series. Unlike Jonathan Mayo, who did not have an off day and could not. Attend you tried,
1: yeah, you tried to get him there. You, you I, tried.
2: I, he, he just wouldn't hear it. He 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 wouldn't hear it. So
1: did not cooperate. Um, all right, so let's talk about the award winners, uh, which are announced uh, in conjunction with the championship game. And the most valuable player uh, goes to Jacob Marcy of the Padres, which uh, was not a surprise and kind of kind of went wire to wire for him as well. Like if you would probably if you had, did, did he win the did he win the player of the week in the first week of the year?
2: Yes. I don't know if he did. I, I, he did. I was out there and he was as crazy as his numbers were. They were even crazier the first week. It felt like he hit like 500 with an ops near 2000. So.
1: Yeah. And he, I mean, he obviously slowed down a little bit, but I, he, he seemed, he was pretty consistent throughout. He was, you know, right up at the top of the league leaders in just about every category, you know, from week one through six. And uh, yeah, he, he joins a, a pretty impressive list of names. I, I was just doing a quick scan and I, we've, we've already mentioned in, in other, you know, in, in other conversations, not about Arizona fall league even necessarily, mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't think it was. But we've mentioned at least four uh, past Arizona Fall League MVPs already in this podcast. Uh, last year was Heston Kerstad, Royce Lewis won in 2019. Uh, did you guys, did you guys just draft him? Uh, is that where we heard his name? Did you draft him in the?
2: Well, we were talking we, we, about it with Brooks Lee, the context of where he was going to play. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, Brooks right. Lee goes to the outfield
1: uh ronald acuna jr won mvp in 2017 uh chris bryant to him? yeah right uh i mean a, a lot of these guys there are some there are some big name players that have won arizona fall league mvp nolan arenado another uh and then you get and then you get guys occasionally who just have a good fall league season and don't go on to a lot of future success but there have certainly been some big names it'll be interesting to see uh Know, what the future holds for Jacob Marcy, but certainly uh, did did nothing to uh, hurt his uh, prospect status and did, did a lot to help it while he was out there this fall.
0: No doubt. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be honest. You know, Sam Sam Dykstra oversees our Padres list. Uh, you know, working with AJ Casavell, our beat writer. So, I like I didn't really know much about Marcy, and uh, he he definitely like I guess he slowed down a little bit. Although it's funny, he hit. 405 with a 1200 ops in October, and then he played in the five. This doesn't count, you know, the playoff game, uh, playoff games or anything. But then hit 391 with also a, a an ops of around 1100 in, in five November games. So, you know, I recall I saw him a few times in my two week stint, and he had a few games where he didn't do much, but then all of a sudden he picked it back up. I mean, he did everything, and uh, I just like kind of his he's one of these guys that plays a little bit with his hair on fire uh if there was an award for like guy most likely to have a uniform dirty at the end of a game it might be him uh you know show some power i most likely to, his to have his hair catch on fire uh yeah which is how i lost my hair by the way um so i don't like to joke about that bad hanukkah accident years oh, apologies. ago apologies um I actually did set my hair on fire during Hanukkah once accidentally. <laughs> that's not how I lost my hair, but... Uh, that, not recently all. you didn't. No, no, thanks. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he was, in addition to him just putting up really, really good numbers, he was just a lot of fun to, to watch. You know, I just thought that uh, because that the sort of high-energy style of play, uh, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to be uh, when all is said and done, but Uh, He's going to be a big leaguer sometime soon with, a, I think, a really high floor uh, because of that sort of makeup that he brings to the field and the ability to do a lot of things well.
1: All right, so Marcy, the most valuable player, and then we heard from the Offensive Player of the Year, James Trout. He didn't know he was the Offensive Player of the Year at the time that you talked to him, Jim, Um, but he was and uh or he was about to become uh and th- this is kind of we're, we're kind of cheating here right we have an mvp and an offensive player of the year this is basically a, a way to uh recognize the two top offensive players But smart that it's a
2: smart yeah it's a no, smart, yeah I mean, for sure for years they just had the mvp and the journal stenson award and now you know there's what do we say seven seven awards major awards um, and so you get seven different players and seven different organizations, and it's it's, it's smart. I, I I will allow it. I have no I have no objections. I I did not like the first year they did it, where they had an MVP and a tie for offensive player of the year. You have to pick one. <laughs> right. just just pick one.
1: But yeah, the they, yeah. There there we were uh, recognizing the top three players. Um. So yeah, uh, we've we've done this for three years now, Triantos. This year's Offensive Player of the Year, Zach Fien last year's, and then the, the tie that you spoke of, Jim Juan-Yepes and J.J. Pude. Uh But it, it was clear to you guys that it was uh, Marcy over Triantos for MVP.
2: Well, I mean, I don't even clear? think the league looks that way. I think it's one guy's going to win one award and one guy's going to win the other award. And Marcy was on the team... That went to the playoffs and Triantos didn't, so I guess that makes Marcy valuable, and Triantos is is just offensive. Um, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that's how they. they that's broke not it what down. I thought
1: that award was for. Huh.
2: Yeah. So, well, I I, I I won't say his name out loud, but I know who I know who would have won the award for most defensive player in the league. But um, wow. What? Yeah. Well, yeah well, John, we we all know. Like, we're not going to say it on the air. But um, anyway. Um, interesting. It, that'll make yeah. that'll make
1: for some good off air fodder.
2: I think there was an anti stenson award. If you had the anti-Stenson Award, that guy would have been the winner. But um <laughs> But no, but like Triantos, I, I do think this will be a precursor. I I, th- I bet we see him on the top 100 prospects list next year. He can really, really hit. Um you know, the numbers are obviously good if you win offensive player of the year. And we know it's a hitters league, so it's not like I don't think he's gonna be a future 417 hitter. But what was interesting is the bat-to-ball skills have always been there since he was he was drafted in the second round out of high school by the Cubs. He's also very young because he reclassified, not with the intention of going to the draft, but the intention of starting at the University of North Carolina in what would have been his high school senior year. He was going to go there a year early. So he's super young. He's 20 years old. But, so the bat-to-ball skills have always been there, but he showed more power. And again, I know it's a small sample size in league. He showed more power. He showed a little bit better approach in terms of of drawn walks. He's not speedster, but he was aggressive on the bases, stole nine bases, I think in 18 games. Um, You know, the the piece that's going to be important for him, the two things are one, to continue to get stronger, and and he's doing that. But two, just where does he play defensively? He was not good at third base in 2022. He was okay at second base this year, but the Cubs have a gold glover there in, in Nico Horner. Um, he's played some outfield. So I don't know where he's going to wind up. If, if you look at the Cubs, it very well might be left field um, in the long run. But I, I, I do think he'll have enough bat to play there if it comes down to that.
1: All right. Let's uh, let's let's stick with uh, bats for now. Um, let's go to the breakout player of the year, Oliver Dunn of the Phillies. Uh, 26 years old um, and is Rule 5 eligible this year, and as we record this, we're just uh, hours away from the deadline that uh, teams have to set their 40-man roster, so we'll find out soon whether Dunn gets a spot or not. We have a story up um, on each team's most difficult decision, and
0: he's your guy for the Phillies, Jonathan. He is. Uh, you know, he, he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, this is a guy who was a late-round pick by the Yankees in 2019. Did almost nothing, uh, missed a lot of time, uh, and then the Yankee, uh, the Phillies took him in the minor league phase of the Rule Five Draft a year ago, and he went to Reading, and uh, you know hit 21 homers, stole 16 bases, drew a ton of walks. Reading's a really good place to hit, and his home road splits show that. Uh, and then kind of took advantage of this opportunity. Somewhat last minute to to go to the to the Arizona Fall League. He had to leave a little bit early because he was getting married. I guess that's an okay excuse. And uh, went out and put up really good numbers uh, in the fall league. Uh, an OPS over a thousand, hit for average, drew walks, uh, drew a bunch of walks, uh, showed extra base ability, went twelve for twelve in stolen base attempts. And I you know I think that you know it's interesting to see uh, you know he played his way into at least i'm sure the Phillies having to talk about it because he can play all over the place and i think if i'm a team looking at possibilities for a a rule five pick you know i might take a chance that he could be an offensive minded utility guy who you can you know move around and and let him play in 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 a bench role he's older so you're not like stunting his development you know of a of a future everyday guy so uh, it'll be interesting to see I, I, I don't know whether the Phillies will make me find the room for him on the roster but I would could definitely see him as a guy who gets taken in the Rule 5 uh, in the draft next month.
2: What's your gut feel verdict? Protected or not protected?
0: Not protected
2: Okay.
1: Alright so I said we'd stick with bats um, but really this guy does bat but he got a reward for his glove we had the Defensive Player of the Year, um, which I don't think Jim means that he was uh, defensive. He didn't,
2: want to answer he didn't want to answer questions. Now, Ryan Bliss actually – Why would you ask pretty, me that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he actually came on the championship game broadcast. He was not in the starting lineup, and he was he was great. We, we I mean, he was – Not, he was not
0: defensive. Not defensive at all, so. He's fantastic, yeah.
1: So uh, that's our Defensive Player of the Year in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, the reliever of the – well, wait, before we move on to the arms, yep. the, the Durnell Stenson Sportsmanship Award winner could go to a pitcher or a hitter. This one went to a hitter, a catcher, Michael Troutwine of the Reds. Uh, Sportsmanship Award that was created back in 2004 to honor the memory of former player Durnell Stenson, who was killed in 2003 during the fall league. Um, now, on to the arms, we have our relief pitcher of the year. Was Emiliano Teoto of the Rangers, who we we talked about on uh, That's last Jonathan's week's guy. That's podcast, guy. I think. That's yeah, my he was. Guy.
2: That's right. It is. His hey, yeah, friendship old. bracelet that said Jonathan's guy he was wearing <laughs> around the last week of the season after you were, huh.
1: didn't know that either. Yep. Uh, he was fantastic. Um, did he ever allow a run? He didn't, did he?
2: I think he did in the Fall Stars oh, game. Where he, he did in the smoked, Fall Stars game. He lost he the smoked, strike zone. He smoked two dudes with 101 mile an hour fastballs in the Fall Stars game, which was, I don't think, particularly enjoyable. For
0: <laughs> no. Well, one of them had, a, had an elbow guard. It hit him square on the elbow guard. and That didn't seem to bother him too much. But the other one did not look pleasant. Uh All
1: right. And then the pitcher of the year went to... Ricky Tiedemann, who we were very much looking forward to seeing out there, and he lived up to expectations. Uh, left after I believe four starts, but uh, it was it up-
2: was pre-ranged. It wasn't just okay. yeah yeah. Like there have been guys we've suspected kind of bigged out of the fall league in the past, but with pitchers, the Blue Jays wanted him to pitch four starts, you know, eighteen twenty innings, and he did that. And, and then left. I mean, that, I mean, it's pretty crazy if you think about it. I mean, he was on surprise, and they didn't even ha- they won the championship without Ricky Tiedemann for the last two weeks of the season or the playoffs.
1: Yeah. So, as, as little as everyone pitches out there, those four starts were enough to earn him the pitcher of the year award. Had a 2.5 ERA, 1.11 whip, 190 average against, and struck out 23 over 18 innings. And, you know, I guess. Going into the fall league season, he he and Jackson Job were the two highest ranked pitching prospects out there. They both, uh, you know, did what you would you would hope they would do as top ranked pitching prospects. Both performed well, and uh, we expected, even going into the season, we might not see them for the whole thing, and didn't. But while they were there, they were very good. All right, uh, we should wrap up here with a question from the mailbag. This comes from. William Bain, at WillBain04 on Twitter, slash X. Question about Jaden Hill. Did his performance in the Arizona Fall League sway you into believing his long-term role in the major leagues will be out of the bullpen?
2: I'm going to say no, it did not sway me because I already believe that. that, that <laughs> is that a permissible I, answer?
1: I was going to tack on my own question and say, sure. did, did you already think that that
0: was the case I, I think we probably were both leaning in that direction between command issues and health issues i think a bullpen makes the most sense i i think it made sense for the rockies to let him start during the regular season just because coming off the tommy john surgery he hasn't thrown that much you want to let him get stretched out work on his stuff um but uh i will say that he pitched well enough during the fall league to make me a firmer believer that he will pitch in the big leagues as a reliever, Um, which I guess is an addendum to like, I think his best chance is as a reliever, but I think that uh, we, you know, he may use this as a stepping stone and you know, Jim guys with that kind of stuff, if he goes to double a next year and is throwing well, he, he could very well end up in the Rockies big league bullpen before the year is over.
2: No, I I totally agree with that. And I think you're right. I think he got starts in the minors to get him regular work. I mean, this is a guy who, because of persistent elbow issues in the pandemic at LSU, I think he barely pitched 50 innings in three seasons of college. He had surgery in his draft year, so he didn't pitch again in 21 and and pitched sparingly in in 2022. But yeah, I, I think... Yeah, but yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because I mean, you look at him and you you're hoping he could be a starter because he's got you know it's three pretty good pitches. I mean, I guess I, I don't know if it's still true, Jonathan. You do the Rockies like the slider probably ranks behind the the mid to upper nineties fastball and the changeup, but the slider still can be a solid pitch. I mean, it, he he has the stuff. He he's got a strong build. He just hasn't thrown a lot of strikes or stayed healthy. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like if you if you looked up, I mean, even though he's only p- pitched in high eight at this point. And he was in the Rockies bullpen by the end of the season. I, I think that's certainly doable because the stuff's there. He just needs to get more consistent and, and continue to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and he worked on that slider quite a bit uh, in, in the fall league. Uh, you know, when he has trouble landing it for strikes. If he When he does land it, it is a good pitch, high spin rates, uh, things like that. He, he was touching upper 90s consistently uh, in the fall league. He didn't give up – he only gave up one hit in his last five outings. Uh, and only walked one, uh, so the the pieces are there. So yeah, I think he's one of those one of those fall league relievers that we could see kind of jump up next year as he you know makes it to the to the upper levels and in shorter stints that stuff is going to look really good.
1: Yeah, I mean going going into his junior season, I'm am I mistaken here? His name came up in conversations early early on before oh, potential the potential number one overall pick yeah right yeah yeah i and jim i just looked back at uh you were you were way too early mock for 2021 and in, in december of uh 2020. <laughs> a, lot of hard and intel.
2: a lot of hard intel into <laughs> one for
1: that one he was number five which is just to say that he was highly highly regarded uh going into his junior season all right well thanks to william bain for that question thanks to james triantos for taking time out to talk to us down at the arizona fall league and thanks to everybody for listening that's going to do it for this week's episode of the mlb pipeline podcast don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode if you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions leave us a rating and a review thanks everybody see you next week